Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, finishes his series on curses and blessings. And we have an update on the Onesimus Project, our ministry to prisoners. For a copy of any of our programs, simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And be sure to check out our website, swrc.com. There you'll find one of the largest collections of prophecy-related materials. New items are being added almost every day. So check it out swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And if you're a new listener to the program, be sure and request our new listener pack. The latest issue of the Prophetic Observer, a look at the history of the ministry, and a free gift are all included in the new listener pack. Request your free new listener pack today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Four, four. Here is Dr. Larry Spargimino now to conclude his series on curses and blessings. In Galatians 3.13 we read, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Deuteronomy 21, verses 22 and 23 reveal that a curse is on a person who has been executed and has been left hanging on a tree. The body of that person is not to be left hanging all night. He is to be buried the same day, for a hanged man is cursed by God. To leave the body hanging would be to defile the land that God is giving to his people for an inheritance. Most of the capital offenses covered by Jewish law required stoning as a form of punishment. On some occasions, the dead body would be hung in a public place as a deterrent to further crime. But that body must be removed before nighttime. I know that there is one cult that says that Jesus was not crucified on a cross. They say that this is a later innovation from the Roman Catholic Church or some other human organization. In Scripture, we are told in other texts that Jesus was hung on a tree, Acts 5.30, Acts 10.39, and Acts 13.29. The statements that Jesus was hung on a tree does not deny that Jesus died on a cross. Crosses are, of course, made of wood, which comes from a tree. But here's something critically important. The concept of cursing and blessing in association with a tree, is found in the broader narrative of the Bible. In Genesis 3, Eve and then Adam eat fruit from a tree from which they were forbidden to eat. Notice the forbidden fruit is from a tree. Genesis 3, 6 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food. In Revelation 22:14, the eternal state includes those who eat from a tree, the tree of life. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. A tree was involved in the entry of sin into humanity, that is, the tree in the garden. And the gracious response of God to man's sin came through another tree in the form of the cross. The final and ultimate removal of sin in eternity future is also represented by a tree, the tree of life. So much then for the curses, but what about the blessings? 
The Bible also speaks about blessings. The verb to bless means to confer something good on a person like happiness or prosperity. In Genesis 12, verse 3, God says with regard to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. God is saying, I will confer good on those who confer good upon you, and I will confer evil upon those who confer evil upon you. There is something else in verse 3 that sets forth a principle in the conferring of blessings upon us by God. God blesses us so that we may be a blessing to others. In Genesis 12, verse 3, God says, In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God's blessing of Abraham was to be enjoyed by Abraham, but for a definite purpose, that Abraham would be a blessing to all the families of the earth. This is the formula for true greatness, being a blessing. In Genesis 12:2, it says, And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great. Abraham's blessing was that he would be great. He would be great in the blessings that he would bring to the world through Jesus Christ. This principle is seen in Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2. God be merciful unto us and bless us, and cause his face to shine upon us, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. This attitude of asking God for his blessing is the attitude that desires that all nations would know God's way. The scripture shows that Joseph, who was blessed, brought God's blessing to Potiphar's home. In Genesis 39, verse 4, the Bible says, And Joseph found grace in his sight, that is, in Potiphar's sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house, and all that he had he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. I want this to be my goal, and I'm sure you want it to be your goal to be a blessing to everyone around us, just like Joseph was a blessing to Potiphar. Be a good example. Be trustworthy. Be a man or a woman of Christian integrity, and God will bless others through you. In Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26, we read, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. What do the words the Lord bless thee mean in this passage? These words mean four things that are explained in the context of these three verses. They mean four things as expressed in the blessing itself. We don't have to search very far to find out what the words, the Lord bless thee, mean. First, the Lord keep thee is asking God to protect that person, to keep that person safe, to keep that person holy. It's like the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray and lead us not into temptation, that is, don't put us into dangerous spiritual situations, but deliver us from evil. Second, the blessing of God upon us means the Lord make his face shine upon thee. That is speaking about intimacy with God. This is an emotional and spiritual intimacy, a closeness that is such a wonderful blessing, a situation in which we experience an encounter with the living God. For the Christian, this should be our experience. Why? Because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Romans 8.15 says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have been adopted into the household of faith. 
Jesus used the phrase, Abba, Father. Jesus addressed his heavenly Father with these same words, Abba, Father. This was Jesus' experience with the heavenly Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Mark 14, 36, we read, And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus realized that God can do anything, but not everything, because it may not be his will to do so. Sometimes we have several texts or several messages on our phone. We see that one of them is from a son. That is the first one that we will answer. And then in Numbers 6.25 we read, The Lord make his face shine upon thee. Whenever you see a phrase like this speaking about the face of God, it is referring to the reality and power of an encounter with God. It's like 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Seeking the face of God means seeking an encounter with him, an unforgettable meeting with the true and living God. That's the meaning of the words in the Aaronic blessing, the Lord make his face shine upon thee. And also in verse 26, the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. Thirdly, the blessing of God upon us means that God would be, quote, gracious unto thee, which means that he would deal with that person so being blessed on the basis of grace and not law. If God were to deal with us ungraciously, he would expect perfect obedience out of us But when you are blessing someone and say, may God be gracious unto you, you are asking that God would not expect perfect obedience and perfect maturity from that person. Fourthly, the words, and give thee peace, are not necessarily a request for the absence of war or strife. Peace in the biblical mindset means a settled, calm attitude, even in the midst of conflict. It means a sense of well-being and wholeness, even in a hostile setting. Philippians 4 verse 7 speaks about the peace of God which passes all understanding. This is a peace that we can't even understand. It's beyond our rational comprehension. It should not exist, but we are enjoying that peace which passes all understanding. Sometimes we pray for a change in our circumstances when that is not exactly what God wants for us. We want the problem to go away. We want the problem to be removed like a bad appendix or a bad tooth. But maybe God is really looking for a change in our attitude toward the problem, or maybe even toward life in general. He wants us to have that peace that passes all understanding. Paul was suffering from his thorn in the flesh. I want to read 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 and 9. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God said to Paul, I'm not going to remove the problem. My grace will be sufficient for you to deal with the problem. Paul's response is at the end of verse 9, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Because Paul gave this issue, this problem to God, he had peace, even though his circumstances did not change. That's the peace of God that passes all understanding. So let me cite the ironic blessing again. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This is the only place in Scripture where God gives us the precise words of his blessing for his people. And it is in an extended form. 
God explains what he means when he says, The Lord bless thee. It can be summarized in four points. First, there is the blessing of his protection and keeping. Secondly, there is the blessing of intimacy with God. Thirdly, there is the blessing of God's grace and mercy. And fourth, there is the blessing of peace and wholeness, even in the midst of difficult times. We often hear someone say, God bless you. But do they really know what it means? It means these four things that we have just enumerated. God's blessing is a reflection of his good word for you. And God's blessing is a reflection of his good will for you. We know from passages in Genesis that a father's blessing was very highly valued. The book of Genesis shows this in several cases. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all gave formal blessings to their children. In Jacob's case, he gave blessings to some of his grandchildren as well. Receiving a blessing from one's father was a special honor, and losing a blessing was seen as a curse. When Esau discovered that Jacob had deceived his father and had received the blessings meant for Esau, he was terribly upset and asked his father Isaac, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? Genesis 27:36. An Old Testament blessing from a father to his sons included words of encouragement, details regarding each son's inheritance, and prophetic words concerning that person's future. Isaac's blessings on Jacob, which were originally meant for Esau, gave him the abundance of the earth and authority over his brother, Genesis 27, 28, and 29. It also promised that those who blessed Jacob would be blessed, and those who cursed him would receive a curse, words that echo God's initial promise to Abraham in Genesis 12. A patriarch's final blessing was important in biblical times as a practical matter of inheritance rights. In addition, some final blessings included prophetic statements revealing God's supernatural revelation and power working through those individuals of God's choosing. As we close our study of curses and blessings, we want to address a very important issue. What does it mean to bless God? As we have seen, a blessing upon a person means to confer something good, prosperity, joy, a large family, and so on. Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. We are to confer a blessing on those who bless us. But how can we confer anything on God? He is almighty, all-sufficient. Blessing God seems like an exercise in futility, maybe even an act of madness, like pouring a cup of fresh water into the ocean to reduce its salt content. And yet the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 103, verses 1 and 2. There is another act of worship that is similar and likewise seems futile, magnifying God. In Psalm 69, verse 30, we read, I will praise the name of God with a song, and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. We also read the same sentiments in Psalm 34, and verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Both the call to bless God and the call to magnify God leave us with a big question mark. What does it mean to bless and to magnify God? Some of the Psalms call for us to bless the Lord and then ask us to praise the Lord. Psalm 104 and verse 35 says, Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth, and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. 
The words bless the Lord and praise the Lord are words of worship, thanksgiving, and adoration. The conferring of blessing on the Lord and the act of praising the Lord add nothing to the Lord, but they are acts that do us good. When your favorite team has won the game and fans shout and stomp, that adds nothing to the team's victory. The team has already won. Their victory has been announced. They are the winners. But it is for your benefit and for the benefit of all who have been cheering the team on during a close game. You have to express your joy at their win. When we magnify the Lord, we're not adding anything to his glory, but we are magnifying him in our own sight and in our own mind. Blessing God and magnifying God are acts of worship. Webster's 1828 Dictionary describes worship as a spiritual discipline and says this, Worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Worship is not the slow, worshipful song the praise team sings, nor is it a large sum of money that you put in the offering plate. These may be expressions of worship, but they do not define worship. True worship takes us a step further. We bless the Lord even when we know we cannot confer anything upon Him. We magnify the Lord even when we know that we do not make Him greater, but desire to magnify Him by doing what we cannot do but still feel the desire to do. This is extravagant love and extreme submission, to use Webster's definition of worship. Blessing God and its corollary magnifying God are an important part of the saint's arsenal of praise. The devil cannot long assault a heart that is filled with praise. In Psalm 119, verse 164, David says, Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Some people take coffee breaks during the day. It seems regular praise breaks would be a good thing to do. The devil hates it when we bless and magnify God. That's just the opposite of what he wants. He wants God to be cursed and God to be diminished in our hearts. His purpose in such an attack is so that we will abandon the activity that he hates too much and so much. The devil is clever, very clever, and is persistent and persevering. If he can't defeat you, he will seek to defeat someone who will defeat you. Yes, curses and blessings are concepts that are weaved throughout the Bible. Understanding the divine truths that they signify and how they apply to the Christian life is a great blessing. To get a copy of this series, Curses and Blessings, by Dr. Spargimino, simply call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Our first-ever online prophecy conference will take place July 30th through August the 7th. With your all-access pass, you can watch the entire lineup of speakers on your schedule as many times as you want between July 30th and August 7th. Speakers include Billy Crone, Todd Friel, Michael Smith, Bill Federer, Rabbi Kurt Schneider, Bob Cornuke, Dr. Kenneth Hill, James Collins, and Larry Spargimino. Register and get your all-access pass today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also register at our conference page on our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com. 
The Onesimus Prison Project is a special ministry here. And it's a special project to those men and women that are in prison and jails and to the chaplains who minister to them. Now, Onesimus was a runaway slave who belonged to Philemon, a Christian and a friend of the Apostle Paul. Paul sent a letter to Philemon asking Philemon to forgive Onesimus and receive him. This message of forgiveness and acceptance is a very important one to men and women who are incarcerated in prison. The Onesimus Project here at Watchmen on the Wall has three major outreach activities. Outreach to prisoners, outreach to prison and jail chaplains and other prison and jail ministries, and outreach via our annual prophecy calendar. Now, free religious and counseling materials are sent to prisoners upon request from either the prisoner or a friend or family member of the prisoner. We send what's called a prisoner packet that contains the following materials. The book, Father Forgive Them, by John McTernan. The Road to Victory, a personal testimony by David Benoit. Can You Understand the Bible, by our very own Larry Spargimino. Questions and Answers about Islam, a Christian's Guide to Prison Survival our prophecy calendar, and each prisoner receives a complete copy of God's Word in the King James Bible. Now, that's the first outreach focus of the Onesimus Project, is the outreach to prisoners. Well, under outreach to chaplains and other prison and jail-related ministries, the prison chaplains receive free materials upon request to include in their prison libraries. Pastors can request free material to take to the local jail inmates in their communities as well. Other prison jail ministries can also contact us for free materials to support their ministry efforts. We send a prison chaplain packet that contains My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers, A Christian's Guide to Prison Survival, Our Prophecy Calendar, a King James Bible, and other books as requested. Now, speaking of the prophecy calendar, many of you may know this, and some of our new listeners might not, but we here at Southwest Radio Ministries publish a prophecy calendar each year in which a different topic in Bible prophecy is examined. Of the 25,000 calendars printed each year, 10,000 are sent free of charge to prisoners throughout the United States. Prison chaplains give calendars to Christians and non-Christians alike. Prisoners also request them for Bible study and as witnessing tools. This annual calendar is an important tool in the Onesimus Prison Project ministry. And whether it's the prison packet with the Bible, the prophecy calendar, and all the different books and materials, whether it's the outreach packet to the prison chaplains and the other prison ministries, whether it's just the prophecy calendar, a copy of God's Word, all of these materials that are sent to thousands of prisoners and inmates across the country, it's all made possible because of you. When you give a designated gift to the prison ministry, 100% of that goes to supporting all of these outreaches, all the printing of the materials, the shipping costs, the copies of the Bible. All of that is covered, and the prisoners do not pay one cent. And yet, I've got some special news to share with you. We have had a number of prisoners over the last few weeks that have been giving donations to support the ministry of Watchmen on the Wall and Southwest Radio. How encouraging is that? And I've got some more encouragement for you today as well. We've got some testimonials from some of the inmates that are participating in the Onesimus Project. Now, these are men and women that are incarcerated in prisons across the United States that have received our prophecy calendar, they've received our books and materials, and they receive a monthly letter of encouragement 
from the ministry. Let me give you a couple examples. This is from one of the inmates named Wyatt, who is incarcerated in Georgia. Wyatt writes to us, I thank God for your continued service for the Lord. I'm still enjoying the newsletters and truths of your ministry. Please keep me in prayer that the Lord supplies me with a good residence to go to when I'm released. My heart and mind are right now, and my carnal nature is at peace thanks to the working of the Holy Spirit. May the Lord continue to keep you and to bless you. How wonderful is that? From Carol in a prison in Texas, they simply state, Thank you for your letters and books. They greatly encourage and help me. May God bless you all. Listen to this one from Russ from a prison in Huntsville, Texas. Russ writes to us, I am very appreciative of the recent book you sent me, A Return to the Killing Fields. This book has greatly encouraged me in my walk with Christ. As a 61-year-old inmate in prison, I have struggled at times emotionally with the thought that my life has been rendered useless by sin. This book has really helped me to trust in God's grace and mercy. There are seven men that I am praying for to come to saving faith in Christ. Please pray that the Lord will save them before the end of this year. Ladies and gentlemen, your support of the Onesimus Project, your financial support, your designated gifts to the prison ministry goes to help people like Wyatt, Carol, Russ, and the people that they are ministering to and praying for inside the prisons. To be able to continue to send copies of the Bible, these special devotional books, our prophecy calendar, our monthly newsletter, to be able to continue to do that, we need your help. We need your financial support. Would you please prayerfully consider giving a gift specifically designated to the prison ministry today? Would you do that? If you feel the Lord leading you to support this important missionary effort to prisoners, would you please partner with us? There are several ways that you can support the Onesimus Project. You can give online on our website using your credit or debit card. Just go to swrc.com. That's swrc.com. And click on the Support SWRC button. Go to the drop-down box and just make sure you designate your gift to the prison ministry. So you can give to the Onesimus Project online. You can also call our toll-free number and give. That's 1-800-652-1144. 1-800-652-1144. And you can also mail in your gift to Southwest Radio Ministries, P.O. Box 76834, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73147. I know that's a lot of numbers, so we'll say it again. Southwest Radio Ministries, Post Office Box 76834, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, 73147. Make sure if you mail in your gift to designate it for the prison ministry. One more quick little testimonial. This is from inmate Phillips from a prison in Alabama. Listen to this. I just wanted to send a short thank you letter to all the people that make this newsletter possible. In a place such as this, reading God's Word makes all the difference in the world. Thank you from the top to the bottom of my heart. My friends, will you be a part of the prison ministry? Will you help reach others with the good news of the gospel? Please give your gift to the prison ministry to the Onesimus Project today. SWRC.com or 1-800-652-1144. Will the Antichrist be Jewish or Gentile? 
Pastor Larry answers that question tomorrow. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.